We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Caruso holding and looking, and they're good to DeRozan. Turn around, left elbow, three off the mark. Rebound, Leonard. This ball game is over. So the Bulls open up the first of four straight. Here at home, losing to the Clippers, who have now won six out of their last seven. And the Bulls lose 108-103. The Parkins and Spiegel Show, afternoons on the score. All right, so, you know, another game, another loss, failed execution late, ugly basketball, very little accountability, if any, uh, for the result. And, you know... Sometimes I've been feeling like watching these games has been a waste of time recently because it feels repetitive, so repetitive and on a road to nowhere. It's four losses uh, uh, in which they had a double digit lead this month. Yeah, it's just I, I saw Rick Camp make a uh, a live bet on, on the Clippers when the Bulls had a big lead. Oh, wow. And I was mad at myself for not really thinking about it. I, it's just, you know, it's like you're, you're having dinner, the game's on and you're like, oh, of course. Like the, were you in real time at home? So you could have. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. What's I, that like? Yeah, it's nice. It's expensive. <laughs> it's a luxury. But uh, but yeah, you just like you think about it. and You're like, oh man, of course, of course, you should fade this team when when things are going well. They don't they don't have much resiliency. That's so sad. Yeah, but well, so like we can talk about any of the specifics of that that you want. But before we talk about the our tourist part and how if they did blow it up how he would sell it publicly into his bosses, which I think is is definitely worthwhile. Can we define what, like, blowing it up? Sure. Like, because I do not expect full teardown trading all three of the big three, two of the three, the big three, and Caruso. I, I don't expect three or four trades. I think when people think blow it up, they're thinking of a trade of at least two. So, like, and I don't... I think people are thinking Demar and Vooch. Yeah, uh, and now Caruso. But if they traded two of the three of those, all right. So, so that is that. Does that con- consist of blowing it up for you? Yes. If they traded Caruso and Vooch, yes, yes, it would. Um, and you know, I, I yeah, could, I think I think it would for me as well because you could still trade Zach this off season. But if you could trade Zach whenever. If, if you're going to trade those two, then why not also trade Demar? Uh. Yeah, I mean, you have more opportunities to trade DeMar because he's under contract for next year. So he's not an expiring deal until next year. You could trade him in the offseason. You could trade him at next year's trade deadline. Um, You know, it's tricky because, like, tanking Mm -hmm. and blowing it up and trying to be as bad as possible, you need to have a top four pick in this year to retain your pick. Like, if the Bulls just end up being bad, missing the playoffs, missing the play-in game, then get the seventh pick in the draft. Seventh pick goes to Orlando. Yeah. You don't. You wouldn't even get your pick. So I think that's part of the reason why a lot of the insiders are expecting hesitancy from Arturis to get worse because that's just a really bad use of asset allocation. 
And it's a bad headline. And I'm not saying he's motivated by headlines. I don't know the man. It seems like nobody really does. See, he doesn't. Yeah, when he's, it's funny because right there when you said insiders, I'm thinking the insiders are not really getting anything from Arturas. He doesn't say a damn thing. Even our, our local guys will openly say and openly write that they're talking to executives on other teams. Right. Because Arturas is not talking to it's them. It's just not how he does it. And I The res- Vooch trade came out of nowhere to that extent. Nobody saw it coming and, locally. And, and I respect that. Uh, it is the type of thing that if it goes poorly, you won't have very many friends in the media to maybe buy you an extra year of goodwill by getting your narrative mm-hmm. out there. But he doesn't seem concerned with that, and that's great. He should he shouldn't be. That's totally fine. But think of that headline, man. They've already lost the Wendell Carter trade, right? Wendell Carter is good. Franz Wagner is great. Uh-huh. And... You made the playoffs and, and, once with Vooch. And you haven't won a playoff series with Vooch. So you've already lost the Wendell Carter trade. Now give Orlando a first-round pick in the top 10 this year on top of it. Have you lost the Lowry Markinen trade? That it was Markinen for Derek Jones Jr. and a protected lottery pick. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, you have. I think you've lost that one, too. I, I, I think that the Markinen thing... It's possible that he was never going to click here, right? So I think that that might be like a, a real example of change of scenery, guy who thrives in smaller market, less pressure, less mm-hmm. spotlight of living up to the draft pick in the big city. Humbled by being given up on. Yeah, I think it's very possible that Markinen needed change of scenery and it never would have worked here. But I, yeah, they definitely have lost that trade based on what Markinen's done. And you've lost the Vooch trade, not because Vooch has necessarily been bad, but because you were supposed to win playoff series with him. So I think that if, if, if Arturis doesn't trade, it's because that's what he's going to be afraid of, of of giving Orlando another very good asset and the chances of you getting like so bad from selling one or two pieces Mm. aren't going to be enough to give you a realistic shot of getting in to the top four. But I'd still say that's not a good enough reason. I hate when teams just lose assets for nothing. It's like a pet peeve of mine in sports. If you're not winning anything that they sell t-shirts to, Mm. you got to get at it. So if you were telling me like you're, Winning a division, and I know that doesn't really apply in in the NBA, but it would in football, baseball. That's sure. I'm trying to think of when, like, like the Nationals hung on to Bryce Harper and then lost him for nothing there at the end, but they were battling for a playoff spot. Yeah, absolutely. And this this is this is not, and a playoff spot in that sport is different than this sport. In baseball, if you get in, you're like. If you have the longest odds possible to win the World Series, like fourteen to one, sure, you got a shot. We just watched the Cubs hold on to Wilson Contreras at the deadline, and everybody go like, "What the hell were they doing? What, what was that about?" And they, now they get the compensatory pick. Well, right, there's a part of the system in there, right? You, they got a little something. You lose Vooch, you just lose Vooch. Yeah, they get nothing. <laughs> when you, you just lose him, and so, and I don't think there's a scenario where they resign him. I don't think that makes any sense. Mm. So. I think you gotta trade Vooch, and you could if you just trade Vooch, you can say you don't think there's any. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you don't think there's any scenario with which he gets resigned? Like they like him and they see the work ethic, they see that he's better with a backup in Drummond, like with a legit physical backup in Drummond. They see that it's not his fault where they are at this point. I mean, if you resign Vooch, 
you have to trade at least one of Zach and DeMar. Because they need the ball in their hand. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and Vooch, this mix doesn't work. Like yeah, because it just doesn't work. Like, the, the, those big three do not work. Vooch needs the ball in his hands to facilitate the offense. DeMar's an ISO player. Zach's a great catch and shoot shooter, but is also just a great scorer who you'd like to have the ball in his hands a decent amount. And none of them are good defensive players. Like, we were, we were talking in transition about DeMar and Kobe. You know what uh, the other big difference, the biggest difference between DeMar and Kobe is? Kobe was a great defensive player. Nine-time first-team all-defense, three-time second-team. DeMar's never made any defensive recognition. That's that's the biggest difference. It's not a couple of threes per game at the end of his career, though that Lawrence's point is a good one about the evolution of his game and where the game is going and all of that. But DeMar is a flawed player, in my opinion, mostly because he's not a two-way player. Like, if DeMar was a great wing defender and then just, like, a, an ISO offensive player, he'd be awesome. Yeah, he'd be un- unbelievable. <laughs> you know, you, you would, you'd be like, oh, well, then the other guys can shoot threes because he impacts both ends of the floor. But he doesn't impact one end of the floor, and he can be an inefficient offensive player, so that doesn't really get other guys involved. It's, it's a problem. I don't, I don't think there's anybody sitting around watching this team who thinks they ought to keep it together at this point. And I admit that I was there at different times, even during the course of this year. And some of that was imbued with Lonzo return hope. Some of that was imbued with this idea that there just, there was nothing they could do. Um, and you just got to kind of ride it out and hope you can make a playoff series this year. But I mean, as I look at them, as I look at the dysfunction that's there, and the, the disappointment of the way they're playing, the way they listen, the way they respond, how they behave as a team, and the the inevitability seemingly for for being in the play in rounds at best. Yeah, it's it, it's it's definitely time. I I don't need to see anything else. I just, just still don't know if they're going to do it because of what it represents and what it means. Okay, so if they did it. Yeah. And you're Arturis and you finally have to speak. Think about that. You finally got to speak. And and you got to say, basically, you have to admit, remember that thing I did two years ago? Yeah. When I punted on the old core, I looked around for a while and then I punted on the old core and I sold so many future assets for Vooch. And then I bought in on all this thing. Remember that thing I did? Remember uh, we decided to be competitive and make ourselves a nest? And, yeah. You know, and, and how did you say it? Crawl before you walk? Yeah. Or walk before yeah, yeah, you run? Yeah, crawl, walk, run. They wanted to get to walking. They, 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 yeah. they, they, were, t- they were tired of crawling. They wanted to get to walking. Didn't know if they'd ever be able to run, but they, uh-huh. they, they, they wanted to be walking. So if you're a tourist, you'd have, to, you'd have to say, yeah, remember that thing I tried? It didn't work. Yeah. It failed. Well, so okay, and, and could he could he say that and have his bosses have Michael Reinsdorf? Could he say that internally and have Michael Reinsdorf say, "Wow, okay, but I'll keep giving you another couple of years. I'll give you uh, another chance." Like, ha, do have you blown credibility in your first chance to run a team by going for something as? Swiftly as he did, and admitting two years later that you need to blow it up and trade it all away, does your boss, does ownership give you another shot to do it? I think the answer to that is yes. You do? I, I, I think I think the I think the Reinsdorfs 
are loyal. I think they trust their instinct on hiring people and they keep them around. Now, I know we know less about this with Michael than Jerry, obviously, but Michael's been, you know, calling the shots at the Bulls for a long time. And mm. I know that Arturis is not a Bulls legend like Pax was and is, but I don't think that you go from giving the dude 18 years in the job <laughs> to give him the next dude three years. Yeah. I don't, I don't think mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I don't think I don't, cause I, if I, you believe in him and you believe in his process and yeah. you've bought into the whole thing with him and, and Eversley. And, and if you, if you sell yourself on, like if you still believe in Billy Donovan, like they, they were able to do a couple of like high profile things, right. That, that, that did suggest that the reputation of the bulls had improved. Lonzo and DeMar chose you. Yes. Billy Donovan chose you. Yes. Right? Like, so like Your credibility around the league has absolutely leapt forward in terms of as an organization. So if you so I, I think that you could say players who are who matter chose us. Uh-huh. Coaches who matter chose us. And we got unlucky. Well we got unlucky with Lonzo. Well, and that's the thing that he has to sell internally and i don't know if he would sell it to us and publicly but in, i think he would in well internally he would have to and maybe they know it and maybe there's enough it, it publicly because i certainly believe it i to perhaps to an outsized level and we've talked about this many times i really do believe lonzo's existence on both ends of the court was the key to this thing possibly working and it was working like i really you know his dna as a passer his dna as a ball sharer as a runner as a guy who the way you've you've said it he doesn't need the ball in his hands to lead yeah to control a game oh man And, and and his facility as a defender his excellence as a defender which covers up for demar and covers up for zach and all these other things well and it actually also again i have not thought about it really in this way but like with him and Caruso out there it also kind of makes up for not having a true rim protector because you keep guys out of the lane 100% yeah 100% so like the whole the whole idea of the thing was Lonzo and Caruso together compensating for so many other things so internally he'd have to be willing to lean on that hard and say we got unlucky this killed us and and maybe Michael would buy it Publicly, would people buy it enough? I don't know. It doesn't, but it it, it doesn't we, matter. It doesn't as really much. matter. We Correct. can't we can't fire him, right? Um, and the truth is, we don't know if Lonzo's ever coming back. But even if he is coming back, it would still be insane to re-sign Vooch and just say like it worked the first forty games of last year. Uh-huh. Well. Damar's 18 months older. Yeah. Vooch is 18 months older. Zach is off another knee surgery and not playing as efficient. And, you, th- and those three aren't playing as efficiently as a, as a, as a lineup. In, addi- like, in addition to the fact that you have no assurance at all that Lonzo will ever come back. Right. So your vision is toast. So you have to be admitting that your vision is toast yeah, right l- now. Right. Lonzo is like, an, is, a, is like a separate thing. He still very much matters. Uh, so that's why I think you would talk about him publicly. I think you I think you would sell the public on Lonzo. It's unfortunate that we weren't able to win more. Uh like let's say they traded Vooch and uh DeMar. Yeah. Let's just say. Even though I don't think that's gonna happen. But let's I think they should I think they'd be crazy not to trade Vooch. But we unfortunate that we weren't able to win more. Uh 
with with Vooch and DeMar. We love and respected their professionalism and what they brought night in and night out. Unfortunately, the pieces just didn't fit. We think that was a combination of a lot of different factors, including health and injury. We just we we came into this year uh, preaching continuity, mm-hmm. and we never got it. We never got it. And then contracts, being what they were, forced us to make moves sooner than we would have liked because we weren't where we expect we expected to be at this point in the season in yeah. the standings relative to when the trade deadline came. And I think, like, I, I, th- I think some version of that uh-huh. is we built we built for continuity. We never got it because of health, so here we are. So I don't know if that publicly would go over to the extent <clears throat> that, that, that it matters um, in terms of our conversations and everything like that, but as we say, the public doesn't matter as much. I do believe that privately he could lean on that and sell that to Michael Reinsdorf. I do believe that he could, and if you're Michael Reinsdorf, you look at that and say, I like this guy. I believe in their process. It's not his fault that this happened to Lonzo Ball. If anything, he's learning from his mistakes. And look at his willingness to blow it up here this fast when he realizes that that vision is dead for the variety of factors. And if that's the case, then you have to do it. You have to trade as much as you can right now with this deadline. I I just think that such an obvious move, such an obvious move, is doing something to free up more shots for Patrick Williams. Like, I think that that is just, however they think they need to do that, you got to then make the last 25 games of the season, 30 games of the season, whatever, about, like, you're not going to say it publicly, but you you just got to run more sets for him. Mm-hmm. You got to do what Billy did the other day and say, hey, the next part of your game is going to the rim, getting fouled, not pulling up for mid-range, like, points, efficient points at the rim. Like, he, dude, he plays every game. He plays pretty good defense. He shoots a very efficient clip from three. He's crazy athletic. He's a two-way player. He has the ability to get double-digit rebounds. Like, he doesn't do it often. He did it mm-hmm. once. But, like, you, that to me is, like, it, there, there still is a player in there and you, you that get- has very high upside if it all clicks. Yeah, the only so way for- you get that is by trading DeMar or, or Zach. I agree. I agree. So, so do it. Like just, but but even if you traded Vooch, just like, hey man, you have to rebound now. Mm-hmm. We're going to be small. You have to rebound, so you're going to have to go to the rim. But you got, I I think you're right though. You have to run plays for him. I and agree. Find out what the offensive ceiling is. Yeah, you just just like start and and to generate the the aggressiveness and the confidence. And and if you lose games, you lose games. It, it it's fine. He if he has the confidence that. His bosses, if Arturis Karnashevis has the confidence that his bosses will let him try again and will acknowledge that the Lonzo injury is not his fault, then he has to aggressively reshape this thing as best he can immediately because it is a failure. Yeah, it, it is a failure as constructed. It, yeah, it just these ga- these game logs for Patrick Williams drive me insane. It's like fifty percent of the games he has less than ten field goal attempts. There's no reason for that. You're not. You, you are you're not the franchise, mm. but you are like one of the biggest hopes of the franchise. So you've got to see what that guy can develop into on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, coming up next, Speaks has a story from the Bulls' past. 
that actually brings a lesson to Bears management and Ryan Poles. It's next on The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This time, I'd like to welcome to the dais, General Manager, Ryan Poles. What am I about? And, how, and what's my philosophy? We're going to build through the draft. We're going to acquire young, fast, and physical football players. We're going to be selective in free agency, and we're going to connect evaluation with valuation. We're going to have a, a relentless approach to fix our weakness. We're going to maintain great self-awareness self of who we are. We're going to solve problems with open communication and candor. And we're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. And the last thing, the most important piece, is we're going to take the North and never give it back. Turn page. Ryan Poles, he's at the Senior Bowl. Everyone's at the Senior Bowl. Are they supporting Luke Getze? Do they have their eyes on someone? Combination of both. Maybe they're just longtime American team fans. Yeah, big fans of the American team at the Senior Bowl. That makes sense. But Eberflus is there. Poles is there. Cunningham's there. I've been able to confirm, by the way, that the other team in the Senior Bowl is indeed the national team. It's the American team versus the national team. Heated rivalry, as it has been for a long time. There's a sport that has a league like that. An American league and a national league. Oh, yeah. I believe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Do you think they got that from the Senior Bowl? <laughs> it's possible. Does the Senior Bowl predate the uh, formation of the uh, of the leagues? Yeah. I believe by Kennesaw Mountain Landis. I could be wrong about that. It was before that, right? I don't know. I, Forget it, he's rolling. If the category is baseball commissioners before Kennesaw Mountain Landis, <laughs> I'm not packing much heat in that regard. No. Nor do you, uh, Tanny. Wasn't he the first? <laughs> Didn't they bring him in because he was like an impartial? Oh, yeah, it was the yeah, judge. So there you go. It was yeah. the judge. So welcome back. Nailed the mayor that. Of baseball City, USA. It's still you, baby. <laughs> Nailed it. That's right. Turned out not to be a great guy, but that's all right. Damn, it was it's okay. <laughs> Many of his time weren't. <laughs> um, it's true. So uh, what do we got here? So so I, I somebody reached out to me, and then 
you'll you'll enjoy this, Danny, because journalistically I was intrigued, and then I had to call and kind of second source it. You know how you do that sometimes? Like, let's make sure this is a true story. Okay. And it is a true story. 1987, the Chicago Bulls getting ready to draft. And it's a great year for them. They draft, well, they end up with Scottie Pippen. Yep. Um, because they work out the deal where it's uh, Olden Polonies and for Scottie Pippen uh, between the Supersonics and the Bulls. And then there's that number 10 pick in the draft. And with the number 10 pick in that draft, Coach Doug Collins and Jerry Krause and the lead scout for the Bulls had been talking for a while, for you know weeks leading up to the draft, and they decided they liked Horace Grant. Okay? They really liked Horace Grant. And then as the draft was approaching, Jerry Krause kind of fell off the reservation on that one. Like he stopped believe, stopped agreeing with the consensus. And he was the GM, and he told those guys, told the lead scout, told Doug Collins, I'm going to take Joe Wolf, mm. North Carolina center forward Joe Wolf, who did not really have a very good NBA career. So Krause decided that he was going to do that. Collins didn't like it, and the lead scout didn't like it. So they went to the boss. In this instance, it was Jerry Reinsdorf. But Nowadays, it could be a team president. Maybe it's a team president, which Ryan Pace really didn't have. This is what got me thinking and got my friend thinking who reached out to me the first time here. Um, Whereas Ryan Pace, we know, decided to take Mitch Trubisky after telling John Fox that he was going to take Pat Mahomes, right? Follow follow me here? I think I'm following. Yes. I I thought you thought maybe you would. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway. You guys following so far? You guys with me? Absolutely. Excellent. So Krause wants to take Joe Wolf. Jerry Reinsdorf says, let's talk about this. Let's tell me about your process. So Doug Collins and the lead scout and Krause, they talk about the process. And Reinsdorf hears this all and says, you know what? It, I'm not going to let you go off the consensus pick. You, you've created a consensus here on Horace Grant, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you to that. And I was able to confirm this part of the story, that they, they came together and through good process, Jerry Krause said, okay, I guess I'm not taking Joe Wolf," And they took Horace Grant, okay. which worked out really, really well. It did. And if Ted Phillips was a football president worth his salt or was respected enough, as Kevin Warren is going to be respected by Ryan Poles, this is what it has me thinking about, is that Ryan Pace, and we know this these details from that Weederer story, right, from a, from a year ago, and then we hear his thing from Pat Mahomes Sr. Ryan, Ryan Pace was given John Fox. Here's a veteran, for better or for worse, whatever you think of that decision. Here's a guy who's been around the league. You guys need to work together to make this happen. This needs to happen. And he goes off and on his own gets excited and makes his deal for Mitch and tries to be the smartest freaking guy. Ideally, whether it's an owner or a team executive, uh, like a, a football president, somebody needs to hold these guys true to their process and not let one person go off the grid and do something potentially crazy and go away if you have reached a consensus about this. So I, I, my friend who called me and then the second person I talked about it with were able to confirm the details and understood the parallel that I was making with what Ryan Pace did and that we've been inundated with because of the Mahomes thing. Yeah. And what I hope that Ryan Poles 
goes through and maybe consults a little bit with Kevin Warren if need be. And at the end, Kevin Warren is like, hey, how's your process been? Let's see. Okay, oh, good. Good for you guys. All right, good. Go ahead. Do your thing, you know? So I think there is value in a well-run consensus with a executive or powerful owner in that regard. Yeah, I mean, Weederer, I don't remember if you were here or not because you've been in so many places. Uh, no, he, he said he was like the 2017 process would not have happened if Warren was here. The only... I don't know that they would have drafted someone else. Like, they had Mahomes, two on their board. They maybe would have met with Watson if Warren was here. Uh But if you go back and look at it, like, a lot of the draft analysts had Mitch as the top-rated quarterback in that class. Like, Pace was not alone in having Mitch Trubisky as the number one-rated guy. I think, you know. I I think that's true, but he, he ended up being, as we've now learned, alone in the room in making up his own mind and doing his own thing. For sure. It's funny, though, too. Uh, if you would have gone back in time and said, of the people in the room, who do you want to draft the quarterback? Yep. You would have said Pace. You would not have said Dowell Loggins. You would not have said Ted Phillips. And you would not have said John Fox. I would not have said John Fox. Even though John Fox, after the but, fact, came out and said he was a Deshaun Watson guy. Right. But you would not have said John Fox based on what you had seen from him with the Bears at that point. Yeah. You no, would not have. I, no, I, I agree. But if I'm the Bears and I'm setting up this thing where Fox and Pace are connected, yeah. then I need them to act and and execute their decisions in a I, connected way. I think your point is 100% correct. I just think that the Bears were so dysfunctional at that time and in some ways it was the football part even more so than the president part and you could say well the president would have fixed this but like I really think that the plan in Pace's mind Mm -hmm. was to draft the quarterback sit the quarterback pay Mike Glennon and fire John Fox I think that was his plan the whole time now maybe a good organization would have gotten that out of him and said hey man if Mm -hmm. you're gonna fire this guy just fire him now You know, Mm -hmm. that's what he probably should have done. He probably should have fired John Fox before the 2017 season. Because I think his whole thing was Mahomes isn't ready to start year one. Mitch isn't ready to start year one. So what does it matter if I keep the defensive-oriented veteran coach? We were hired together. But I have no I have no intention of letting old school, old ass defensive John Fox right. and it led to a terrible, awkward year that was disconnected the whole time. And a waste of Mitch's salary development, uh, all of it. Yeah, and, and and Fox played Mitch. He played him in week five. Mm-hmm. If Pace really had control of the whole thing, yeah, Mike Lennon was leading the world in interceptions through four weeks. Okay. I'll get an I'll get a better draft pick next year yeah. to build around Mitch Trubisky mm-hmm. and just keep playing Mike Glennon. Like if if they really had some cohesiveness to that plan, they they would have gotten crushed in the in the short term because mm-hmm. time for Mitch to play. Like remember we were all calling for Absolutely. it, you know. But if they would have had some real conviction behind, now he we will do damage to him mm-hmm. by playing him, and that matters more than finishing out 2017 right but your point of the process was flawed and with proper oversight process would be stuck to or followed yes process would be would be followed would be followed 
uh, or and adhered to. And Ted Phillips was not a guy who was going to do that. Yeah. And so it does tie to these conversations that we've had, which you and I were uh, on, on on different sides of about the possible value of. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to cast you in anything, but like the, the the possible value of Kevin Warren in terms of a football perspective, if he is a leader who knows process and knows good process, yeah. And I said to Weeder, I was like, "Hey, man, that's a really good point." Yeah, like right? that, that level of just oversight of is my GM turning over every stone? If does he have answer? I'm asking questions. Does he have answers to? Ted right. Phillips likely did not ask Ryan Pace. Did you interview Deshaun Watson? Right. Kevin Warren, at the very least, you would expect he would say, "Hey." Did you did you interview the guy who had four thousand and a uh-huh. thousand in college and beat Alabama? Did if, you interview him? If, if this year that Ryan Poles' process is to include Ian Cunningham and maybe to include Matt Eberflus, yeah, and they come to a decision on what they want to do, and at the last minute, Ryan Poles is like, you know what? Forget this. I know we had our process and we wanted to all talk about it, but I'm going to go do this other thing. If Kevin Warren happens to, you know, it, it is going to be there and say, you know what? Remember that process we had? It was good. Stick to the process. Trust what we're doing here. Trust our systems. Then that could absolutely benefit a football team. So um, I, I hope that is the case. And, uh, and I look forward to, uh, to good things. But I thought it was interesting. My friend who reached out to me with that story and then being able to corroborate it. And it's weird to use a Reinsdorfian organization as an example of good process. Yes, it is. I know. But Jerry was really But not at that time. Yeah, Jerry was really deeply connected and attached and and involved. It was Reinsdorf and Krause's show. But the last time that a team trusted the process, they spent a first-round pick on Markel Fultz. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. But Joel Embiid is awesome. Joel Embiid is awesome. Yeah. Okay, they got one. (laughs) Yeah, as as a result. I know. You're right, Shane, though. They went in deep. They went very, very deep. Uh, A potential opportunity uh, for the Bears uh, as it relates to the story of the day. That is coming up at 5 o'clock. But when egos collide over Tom Brady, next on The Score. Parkinson Spiegel Show flashback. 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 The legend Chris Mad Dog Russo. Would you be offended if you knew we played something where you sounded like a dope? No, but we love not. it. Definitely. Okay, not. good. This is you and Mike talking about movies at one point back in the day. Okay. All right. Would you go see Daredevil? Which one is that now? That's Ben Affleck's new movie about the guy who's a blind crime fighter who turns into Daredevil. True story. All right, that destroys me. <laughs> the fact that you I think I screwed that one up. It might- <laughs> Mike and the Mad Dog reunion today on First Take. Uh, brilliant programming. Brilliant, brilliant programming. We will get to some of the highlights or lowlights, depending on your uh, impression, uh, in just a second. But local media news breaking. Called this yesterday. Yeah, you did. Dexter Fowler will join the Marquee Sports Network as a studio analyst. He makes his debut tonight at 6 on Cubs 360. This just breaking wow. uh, while we were in commercial. And he's Quickly. Gonna be a, he's going to be a part of uh, pre and post, you said? Yeah. yeah, primarily contributing to pregame and postgame coverage. So, all right. But, you know, they, they rotate so many people in there. But I, I feel like Dexter will be good at it. Uh, they just need – there's something they, they just haven't quite cracked the code on yet that NBC Sports Chicago has with their pre and post, you know, for, for Sox and Bulls. And it's obviously much newer, but they'll – Maybe maybe they'll get there, maybe they won't. But Dexter Fowler, I think, is a very bright future in television. Lots, I think it's a good hire. Lots of um, yeah, lots of depth there. You're right. They sometimes they'll use Demp in that role, although Demp does games sometimes, and obviously a lot of other stuff. 
Ryan Sweeney, Carlos Pena, Sean Marshall, uh, Sean Marshall, Cliff Floyd, who's Sutcliffe, really, really good. Yeah, Sutcliffe doing games. Uh, he's mostly. appeared in the studio, hasn't he? Does he do I guess not not pre-imposed. much, but I think he's appeared in there. But um, uh, yeah, Cameron Mabin, Cameron Mabin did some stuff this past year, and they, my guy Lance, Lance Brzezowski. I think he might be the most underrated person in Chicago media. I think he's really, really good. We should put him on this baseball season, actually. Lance knows his stuff. He really knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. He knows the kids. He uh, very much knows pitching and can talk pitching. He knows gambling a little too much for your comfort. When we did the gambling cast, you were disappointed that he knew as much as he did. I was just disappointed. The guy's younger than me, better looking than me, taller than me, and arguably smarter. Hmm. I just I didn't like it. Yeah, I, thought, uh, I mean, you you work with a guy who's smarter than you and better looking. I thought maybe not younger. <sighs> it's, it's the triple threat. That's the problem. It's the triple threat. Okay, that was the issue. That's fair. That's fair. That was the issue. But all right, Mike and the Mad Dog on first take. Uh, man, I just love how this clip is read on our sheet. I hope it's as smug and arrogant as it reads. But was Mike Francesa upset at Tom Brady for the date that he announced his retirement? It's going to be a special day to hear Mike Francesa religiously say, Doggy, I got to go with Stephen A. He's right about this. <laughs> I hope that nice. doesn't happen That's often. Be- no, I won't allow it to. Well, <laughs> you go. and I are going to attack him today. Let's go. Right. Let's go. Great I, I wish Brady would have picked another day. Though. Yeah, I know. Jeez. Oh, not Brady he, today. He Brady. can have any day he wants. Listen, Mike, he wanted in on the fun, all right? He okay. wanted to be a part of this. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. That is, you know, they call could it. Could have been better. They call it kidding on the square, where he's like, oh, he's just making the joke about Brady. He could have picked another day. But, you know, 100%, he's like, really? Really, Tom? Today, this is my return. This is my day at ESPN, my day for the car wash. I was going to tell the story about how we invented Radio Row. I was going to talk about, uh, I was going to get my Michael K shots in, New York number one. Uh, he had to bring more than a pea shooter to this gunfight. And, uh, look, I'm making more headlines on ESPN than Michael K made in a career, okay? So yeah, he you're had- absolutely right, Mike. <laughs> you're absolutely right. <laughs> but they had to they had to play the hits. They I know. Probably, one. They probably just had to talk Brady all yeah, day. Yeah, like, I imagine very, they must have. Very poor guys. Very disappointing. Did Francesa have any Brady takes on his analyst work or uh, or any anything like that, Tanny? I think it takes a certain personality and a certain mindset to be good as an analyst. I don't think he's going to be a great analyst. He is not going to be bombastic. I don't think he's got an oversized personality outside of being Tom Brady. I think he will find other things he likes more than announcing. I just don't see that connection. I never thought Joe Montana was going to be good at it. I never thought Bill Walsh was going to be good at it. I don't think Tom Brady's going to be great at it. I really don't. But what about his love of the game? I don't think it matters. I think here you have to have a hook and bring something as an analyst and find something that catches with the audience, like Madden did. Like, Madden changed everything, okay? And Romo has revolutionized everything, and everyone's copying him a little bit right now Mm -hmm. because he found something. The bottom line is, I just, I always look and say, not every great player is going to be a great analyst. I don't think Brady's going to be a great analyst. I happen to agree with you. Yeah, I I happen to agree with both of those guys. It's going to be great. Oh, God.
That's amazing. That's a lot of ego on one television set. It really, it really is. I, I got to say, it's. Um, I, I completely forgot about Joe Montana as, a, as an analyst, and I don't think they used him in games. They used him on the panel on NBC, and he really was terrible. He was remarkably bad <laughs> for being such a great quarterback. I was just a puppy uh, watching that happen. Francesa was working full time in the industry. Yeah, as befits a man of his uh, age and his stature. Yeah. Uh, wow, man! You just listed off all those marquee names, though. That yeah. is a that is a lot. They have a they have like a very deep roster. You know, Girardi. Did you say Girardi? I did not mention Girardi, and I I thought Girardi was was really good as a game analyst. He's, a, he's really good on TV. I yeah. mean, he's done he's done national stuff before. I just I wonder what it is. I, I mean, some people are like, oh, they're not critical enough or whatever. I mean. I've been there do- doing TV work and have asked the question directly of like, hey, if the Addison Russell story happened and this network was launched, would we be able to talk about it on the reporters? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. So like, I don't believe, I could be wrong, I've never done pre and post, but like, I don't believe there's any sort of like censorship happening. I just think that they're just, it's, it's new, it's young. What NBC Sports Chicago has is they have continuity. They have the same people and chemistry on those shows mm-hmm. all the time. And yes, there is gravitas, obviously. I talk about it all the time. With Ozzy and Frank. Ozzy and Frank, right? Best player in the history of the organization, best World Series manager, biggest personality. That that is crazy for local RSN postgame. But like if Dexter Fowler and Joe Girardi, mm. they have that kind of cachet. They do, but I think it's very simple. Not enough people are seeing it. I, th- I think it's that simple. Really? Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't think many of them are entertaining. Like, I'm with you there. They have great names. They're not entertaining. Uh, Ryan Sweeney's good. I like Sean Marshall, but not enough people are seeing it. That's interesting because, like, I think they still do good numbers for the games. It's just that not everybody ha- has it. I, I, think it I, I think it's the, the continuity. They, 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 they have a huge roster of people, mm. and it is tougher, man. Like what the White Sox have is very rare. The, like, how much money did Dexter Fowler make in his career? They have they have, a, they have a Hall of Fame baseball player and the most famous and loudest manager in the history of the franchise. Yeah, that's very rare for mm-hmm. for a huge percentage of games. Like, it, it it's hard to get. I've talked to industry people about this. Like, I don't know what what did Dexter Fowler make in his career. It's got to be seventy million dollars or more. Just mm. a guess. I don't. It, it, maybe hundred million or more. I don't know. Like tough to get that guy to commit to doing yeah. hundred and thirty games of local television. I've wondered if Marquis was going to reach out to Joe Madden now that he appears to be done with his managing career because I think that would be quite something. That would be interesting television. I don't know where the relationship stands between team and person, mm. and I don't think it's great. Yeah. One hundred and six million. So $106 million for, for Fowler. For, for Joe Madden, that was the contract he was offered? Oh, no, that's Fowler's career. Got so it. It's, it's just, it's hard. I mean, how, how much does a guy who made $106 million want to work? Mm. <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's a hard thing. Whereas if they get the gig on national TV, it's obviously more money, but it's also more fame and relevance and prestige. It's, it's a tough... It's a tough code to crack. You know, there's um, there's been movement on the possibility of not just Marquee going to direct to consumer via via a, a standalone app, but also like overall the system with which baseball delivers their games finally getting the overhaul that it has needed. Yeah. For way more than a decade, there's been traction 
on that and the possibility of some big, big changes before opening day. We should check in on that story uh, somewhere along the way the rest of the week or something. Yeah, we can't. I mean, Bally's is going to go bankrupt. Well, well Bally's going to go bankrupt, <laughs> but I'm talking about the blackout system and talking yeah. about the, the way that they have it and being able to get all of your teams. And that like, won't affect the Cubs, even though they do oversee it because the Cubs own Marquee, whereas some of the teams do more have like a licensing agreement. With, with Bally's. I don't believe the Cubs own Marquee alone. I they think don't. They own it with Sinclair at this point. Correct. It's a it's a partnership. Yeah. But so, I don't think the, the the what I've read is the partnership will protect them in ways that the other teams interesting. will not be as protected from bankruptcy. There's not okay. as much of a risk of uh, service interruption in that way. But yeah, we definitely should get uh, someone on to to update people. It's a hu- it's a huge sports media story, and it does impact at least one of the teams locally in town. I wonder if you'll buy what I'm selling you here on a, a potential opportunity for the Bears uh, surrounding the biggest story in sports today. Next on the score, we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.